do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by the not-so-much-Lord-of-the-Rings fan, because she's a Twilight fan, Danielle Caroli. Shots fired, and so many inaccuracies in that statement there. I post one little thing on our (laughs) Facebook page trying to have uh, fan involvement, make it relevant for the day, and tie (laughs) in to last week's episodes and shots fired. I'm accused of things that I wouldn't necessarily agree (laughs) to be true. All right. This is how we're starting today. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. Listen. If you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, you're, you're against me, right? So. <laughs> and once again, we have made this podcast about Lord of the Rings. My apologies, everyone. Yep, yep. it's going to be a once a week thing now. It's just it's going <laughs> to be a thing. At least, yeah. <laughs> well, besides, you know, you being a huge Twilight fan, Team Edward. <laughs> again, story. yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> How's your week going? Um, found out a few things about me currently about <laughs> ago that I didn't know were true or how I portrayed myself, but, um, sure. Let's go with that. But no <laughs> weeks going well. Um, it's I'm gearing up for the first show of the season. So my buck got a bath today Sweet. and yeah, so I, he accepted it. I'm not going to say he enjoyed it, but he accepted the pampering. And so, um, you know, that's going on. I'm just taking care of kids, taking care of milkers. I feel like we're finally kind of putting my feet back under me. The routine has definitely come to and just kind of a little bit more manageable. So um have gotten a little bit more sleep than I have in the past couple of weeks. So (laughs) I, I, I feel much better right now than I, if you had talked to me probably a week ago or even maybe three or four days ago. So it's going well. (laughs) Well, How's it going there? Oh, it's, it's going well. I'm glad you're catching up on sleep and, and now you're, you're you're in the, uh, the midst of, of show season. We're, we're doing well. We've been fighting a kid that's been trying to die on us, and luckily she's turned the corner. She's not out of the oh, woods good. yet, but yeah, she caught a bacterial thing and um, was really down and out. And yeah, we had a tube feeder, and and you know she was only a couple days old when it all started. Um, but yeah, she's. I mean, she went from me checking to make sure she's still alive to me checking to make sure she hasn't jumped out of her tote again. So, so a good sign, a really good sign. Yeah, it's a great sign. And and she's drinking milk now and we're not tube feeding her. And 
Um, you know, she still has a little bit of scours, but yeah, she's uh, she's getting there. I mean, it's definitely her stool is a lot better than it was. Um, so yeah, so we have we have hope for her, and and she's living by her namesake. Her namesake is uh, Hilaire Farm. The wi- the wind rises, and uh, that's for any of those uh, Hayao Miyazaki fans out there. You know, Studio Ghibli. Everybody else is like, "What did he just say?" God bless you. <laughs> My eyes glazed over. Yeah, God bless you, John. <laughs> yeah. I think there's uh, a poor connection here. You just said something I don't understand. Yeah, but so you know, I had a lot of sleep deprived nights uh, after work, and you know, before work, getting stuff done. And Tierney's been such a good help. And we decided, you know, with this bacterial thing, we really didn't think it was a good idea for us to just go to the buck show this weekend that you're getting ready for. So unfortunately my pretty bucks are going to be sitting at home and I think that's just a responsible play by us. And instead of going to the buck show this weekend, the next show in two weeks, uh, we'll be going to the doe show. Bring, we're just going to bring some juniors and have fun. Oh, that's cool. Definitely making lemonade out of lemons and being responsible in the situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the really the big heartbreak of it all is that I was going to bring uh, two buck kids to go to a uh, buyer um, that is just going to grow them out for meat. And yeah, now I still have to feed those dang buck kids for another <laughs> two weeks. I'm like, oh, <laughs> but it's okay. It's fine. They're they're fine. Everything's Once you great. Get them on the bar, everything will be easy peasy. Yeah, keep them on the bar. Yeah, the the bucket. They've taken a turn for the worse on the bucket, and we've kind of taken a step back with that. And it's probably because I haven't wasn't as attentive because I was dealing with a sick kid and blah blah. blah. So um, yeah, we're we but we've we're, we'll get it figured out. It's fine. Yeah, everything's great. <laughs> You're fine. It's fine. Yeah. All's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're making some hard cuts in the herd. So we've got one that'll be leaving in a couple of weeks, a milker. And then, yeah, we're, we're still, I, I don't know. Do you have this problem right now where you have way too many keeper kids going on? Um, no. Oh, well, I do. And that'll be the topic for the week is, is who to keep and who to sell out of, you know, twins or whatever breeding. But before we get to that, Danielle, we should probably get to some ad good news. We haven't touched that in a while. Yeah, no. So let's definitely do that. Um, the first thing we wanted to just share with everyone is the 2022 guidebook has been released online. And just for everyone who is unaware, all the new changes in the guidebook, the edits and the additions uh, that were new to the twenty two the 2022 guidebook from what was in the 2021 guidebook are underlined. So um, if you take a look at it and glance, all of the underlined text are changes, edits, additions. Um, And so some of those changes are the scorecard, there's updated DNA policies and more. So just take a glance through it. It's always a good... Well, in terms of knowledge, it's always a good read to just understand how um, things operate and work. So I definitely recommend you taking a quick glance on it. And the guidebook and the directories 
are available online. They will not be put out this year as a hard copy. So they'll only be available digitally. Right. And also, I know I received my ballot for director nominees. Um, I'm sure you've received yours. They've been sent yeah. out. So if you haven't gotten them, look, you know, take a look in your mail. Uh, there are several topic trains on various Facebook groups announcing who has thrown their hat in the ring uh, to run for the election this year. Uh, we encourage everyone to fill their nomination ballot out and send it in and get to know the candidates that are running for director in your district. Um, also, I might I keep saying this every year, and I haven't even opened mine yet. Uh, because I, I think for our district, there's only one person uh, running, and that's you know the director that's going to keep going. Um, but maybe I should do like a how-to right video, mm-hmm. since there always seems to be uh, issues where there's like 39 people didn't put the sign thing and this and blah blah blah. So uh, maybe that'll be a good idea. Um, and and also just remember, people, this isn't the election. This is just the nomination ballot. So Another ballot will be sent out later this year to to vote for directors, and I think that doesn't that usually happen during happen during nationals. I think they go out. It seems to be right around the national time period because I think this ballot, not this nomination ballot, is due in around June first, and then they'll send they'll tally the um, people with the most nominations and they'll put them on the ballot for who we're going to vote for and send that out. So it's usually around nationals um, either kind of right before or right after that they're due back at the, um, the, what would it be? The counting agency. There's a actual term for it, but it's escaping me right now, but it's usually right around nationals that they're due in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just keep, keep an eye out if you haven't received yours. Um, also, uh, just so everybody's aware, uh, the office has lost, uh, Penny Albert and Sherry Moore. They both, uh, left ADGA. So thank you both for all you've done and, and good luck in your future endeavors. I know that's a, that's a huge hit for the office and, and for the membership and ADGA as a whole. So, uh, good luck to you, and, and again, thank you for everything you've done. Um, I, this is me being kind of like, is it poke the bear? I don't know. But is anyone else getting antsy for the show rules and entries to be opened up for nationals? Is it is it just me, Daniel? I I'm a little bit more relaxed on it, but I've also been to nationals before. I'm I I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm more relaxed about it. It'll happen. It'll be fine. That's kind of where I am at it. <laughs> well, I, I've asked a couple times um, on the old Facebooks, and I'm told that the committee finally got the rules for review, and that we should get that soon. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. Um, my pre-planning rock star of a wife is getting pretty nervous. So, uh, you know, she wants to see that those in, and wants to get everything done. And I can't say that I really blame her. I mean. Even if it wasn't our nas- first national, she'd still be like, dude, like we need to get this done because she's got a list a mile long and needs a place to start. Right. Totally yeah. understandable. And yeah, no, I get that aspect of it. And I think 
some of the stuff is going to be, you know, what the rules are going to kind of be old hat. She's, you know, some of the things are going to be like, oh, okay, that's easy. And then other things are going to be um, a little bit different. I will say the biggest thing we've been seeing kind of on social media is the concern for health papers for getting into Pennsylvania. And the biggest thing with that is it's going to be state specific. So the best thing to do is to have a conversation with your vet or do a quick Google search and see, first of all, what the I'll call it import. That's not the right word, but what the rules are for en- entry into um, Pennsylvania. I'm. I didn't get a chance yet to check and see. I don't think there's much that, at least from New York to Pennsylvania, you would have to worry about. Um, there may be regulations from other states, but there's, to the best of my knowledge, there's no. Um, TB testing or brucellosis testing that you're going to need to be done. But it is like all um, out-of-state health papers, it is going to need to be done within 30 days of right. nationals. So um, people, I know a lot of book or a lot of vets are booking up quick. So maybe you put that on your calendar and make sure that your vet knows to come out and that they're going to need to do a health check. And you're going to want to get that done probably later this month, believe it or not. Yeah, Ooh. I've got mine set up for the 27th or 28th. I actually just talked to my vet the other day because, again, you know, trying to die kid. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. but uh, she's, so, she's so great because you can call her up and be like, hey, I got a kid doing this or, you know, I got a buck doing that or whatever. And she's like, oh, OK, come come get some meds or or, yeah, I'll be right out, you know, whatever. Um, so we talked about the Pennsylvania thing and, um, she said she had to look, but she's pretty sure that I don't even think she doesn't think you even have to get, uh, rabies facts for Pennsylvania. And she was double checking on that, but she knew TB and everything else you didn't have to get. So, yeah. Yeah. No. And I haven't heard any, I like, I know with like Nebraska, that was a thing a few years ago when the nationals was supposed to be in Nebraska, that TB was and brucellosis was supposed to be done and that was kind of a hindrance but um i don't think that's that obviously some states may have more regulations particularly for when you're coming home to your own state and different things like that but um mm. just talk to your vet because they will know and help you with that yeah agreed um now i guess we should get to the topic for the week and it's one that's been asked a couple times and we figured hey we're starting to thin out our our kidding crop so keeper kids who stays and who goes and how do we decide which is always a fun thing to think about right when you're trying to sell kids um so to start i'll ask you danielle uh what percentage of kids do you retain each year So I was kind of looking at my numbers as I was preparing for this episode, and I realized I probably keep around like 20%, maybe 30%. I think this year, just with the number of kids, it might be closer to 30% of kids born. But when you look at my general, you know, kind of trend of past 
animals that we've retained. We typically only keep 30 to or 20 to 30 percent of our kids. Um, it's just numbers. Obviously, we're not keeping as many buck kids. So even it, it that kind of skews where that number is. But I tend to try and keep as few kids as possible in my herd. I have a very small herd. And when a kid stays, it ultimately usually means that a doe has to go, maybe not this year, but next year, or when this kid is going to freshen. So I'm very conservative in how many kids I keep each year, just because I know ultimately somebody's going to have to go to kind of keep my numbers in a manageable you know, manageable number. So that's what I do. Uh, We, it's different every year. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So it's, and, you know, I'm not going to throw out percentages because math is hard and job is dumb. (laughs) Well, or is it just, we don't count and we don't make the, we don't do these numbers really quick off the top of. Well, like last year I kept three doe kids and we brought in two, two Guernsey, those so uh there's five but we but we kept three out of four freshenings so that's you know not too too shabby um this year i've got a doe kid out of every doe and that's gonna be fun to figure out who i want to keep and who i want to sell after uh we decided to keep more this year just because of nationals we wanted to have you know we don't have a lot of aged does or you know, three or four year olds or younger. Um, you know, we have a very, very small milking uh, show line there. So, yeah, we we decided to keep more this year, but I'm sure after nationals, it'll be like, okay, let's really look at these kids and what do we want to do with these, and and we'll kind of get onto that um, next. But when you're, do you have it like when you're thinking about retaining kids? Do you have it all pre planned on who you are going to retain kids from, or do you ever deviate from that plan if you have one? So I like to pre-plan as much as possible. And it really helps not necessarily, at least in my operation, it doesn't necessarily help me decide who stays and who goes, but it helps everyone else involved not get attached to kids that may not stay. Mm -hmm. So I typically very easily go, okay, I want to keep a kid from this animal. If this doe has a doe, she'll stay. And then sometimes I have room for adding more in, but it's, I try and be very clear when I'm starting or when kidding season is starting on who ideally I would like to retain a doe from because it not only helps me keep my numbers at a minimum, but it also helps everybody else involved in my operation not get attached to kids that I know most likely I'm not keeping. The other thing about it is that 
I like to be able to market my kids if they're not reserved already, basically as soon as they hit the ground. And so if I don't have a plan in place, then these kids sit in my barn and I go, oh, well, am I keeping them? I don't know. Let me see what this other one has. And then, you know, two months yeah. down the line, I still have these kids. And so I tend to try and at least have a rough idea of who I would like to retain does from and kind of see how it all works out in the end. But I try and be very strict on which animals I want to keep a doe out of. And I mean, honestly, there's some does where I know that even if she has a doe kid and she's probably the only doe kid, like if she were the only doe kid born, it probably wouldn't be staying because it's just not quite where I would, you know, I like this doe and I want to see what she does and how it goes forward. And I'm, hoping the breeding would make improvements, but this doe might not have the doe kid that'll take my herd to the next level. And so right. um, some of my animals are ultimately bred to sell kids from and have nice kids to sell, but it's just, I know that doe is not necessarily my top doe of what I would want to keep something out of. So I'm going to Regardless of if she has a doe kid, she's probably not going to be the doe I want to keep a doe kid out of, too. Yeah, understand. What about yourself? Um, so yeah, like the planned pred- planned pedigrees and and pre planned breedings, um, look great on paper of kids that I want to retain or kids that I would want to retain from a breeding, but I deviate so often. Like, I'm so phenotypical. Like, I just, I love looking at animals and I know the style that I'm trying to build. So I that's how I decide. So yeah, like 10 days, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to look at you and see what's going on. Um, but it's, so like, with my herd, it's every, probably every December or, or January or February, uh, you know, I go to Tyranny and I look at her and I say, sweetie, I love you so much. How many are we keeping this year? <laughs> and that's oh. how I that's how I plan my number, right? <laughs> because she's the boss and she's going to tell me what's what's up. Right. Um, right. You know, if I want to if I want to bring something in or if I want to keep something, it's OK. Who are you going to get rid of? Right. Um, right. This year Listen. is way different. Way different. Hi. <laughs> now have tyranny in the back of my mind too whenever there's animals i want to keep she is like the gold standard and i just i go oh i want to keep that animal and i just see her like have her in the back of my mind going all right so you're keeping that animal who's going and do you really want to keep that animal and so she yeah. is like you know, she's probably very I don't think she realizes it but her influence on you and you talking about this influence that she has has kind of you know seeped into me and so now it's very much in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, what would Tierney say? Okay. <laughs> She's going to start doing tours like Tony Robbins to all the goat farms. Exactly. <laughs> Do you really need this one? Does yeah. it, or who is, who is the Netflix um, 
organizer that the the minimalist like i think they touched it and does this one bring you joy which actually that probably wouldn't be the question to ask most um goat breeders because they would say, <laughs> yes this one brings me joy yes this one brings me joy and that gets you in a problem but um yeah so her yeah her her thinking it's like I mean, I'm not saying like we have like the best program in the country or anything because we don't, but we're, you know, we're, we're building. Um, but I feel like the only reason we've propelled so fast from where we started to where we're at now is because of her hard nosed calling. We you know, well, hard nosed, John, you're going to get a divorce if you don't do this, uh, you know, and causing me to call. Uh, you know, that's that that's a, a real big reason on why we've been able to kind of jump forward and i think uh there's probably some programs out there people are like man i'm overwhelmed and maybe it's time to like look at all those those 20 kids that you want to keep and kind of you know scale back a little bit and be real tough on them um so what makes you decide which kids to keep like let's be honest like do you focus on one goal when deciding who stays and and who goes or or what's what's your thinking when Besides space, when you're looking at a kid, what's like a keeper or not? So in looking at kind of how I structure my breeding program too, and who becomes a kid that I'll chalk up to basically this kid's born, this kid is retained. It really does seem to be goal focused. So for instance, the past couple of years, I've really been focused on my mammary systems. I'm looking for more height into that rear udder. I'm looking for more strength of the lateral attachments and more strength of that rear udder arch and the rear udder support, plus hoping to pull my teats in um, a little bit, make them a little closer underneath while still keeping the general appearance that I really liked on my animals. So with that, I've used box that I'm hoping that will kind of create these mammary systems that'll mm-hmm. basically bring my herd to the next level. And some of these animals that I'm breeding, I'm thinking this is going to be much more of a mammar a successful mammary system here. We're working with a dam with a slightly stronger mammary system and it's going to hopefully, you know, raise that rear udder up a little bit or do whatever. And so I think that in terms of which kids I'm keeping is basically in the, ultimately in the back of my mind is which animals that are born are going to get me closer to my goal for the year. And so Sometimes those are my AI breedings because maybe there's a little bit more, um, there's a little bit more performance pedigree data on these animals. So I'm a little bit more confident or I've seen a million daughters because so many herds across the country are using this buck. And so, um, there's things like that. There's also trying to make sure I, keep at least something from certain lines. And when I say that I have 
two kind of strong lines in my herd and they all go back to one doe and we had her two maternal half daughter or the we had her two daughters that were from different bucks but I kind of equate those to two different lines in my herd and so I use those to allow me to have homebred bucks and you know who can be bred to who and kind of you know make it all work I mean we're not talking major outcrossing here. It's a little bit of in or line breeding going on, but I do want to make sure I have both lines represented if possible as well. So I try and, and one line, I definitely have more than the other, but I try and kind of mix it up and do it that way. But it's definitely seems I try and pick the kids who are most likely going to further me towards my goal for the year. Right. What about yourself? Well, before we get into me, I, I just, what if, what if you have twin does? What do you do then? What if I do then? I evaluate the does and um, see who I like better. And typically I go with my first in- instinct on that one. And I, but if I'm kind of struggling, I pick the cutest kid. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I like this one. It has a pink nose. It has has moon spots. (laughs) We don't have moon spots here, so I don't have to worry about that one. Did you just say yet? Yeah. Oh my God. You are like shots fired from the start of this episode. (laughs) Sorry. You know what it is? I was a little hangry. But while you were just talking there, and I was listening intently, um, smart food, uh, you know, the smart food popcorn, like the white cheddar popcorn? Yes. They just came out with uh, a Doritos nachos cheese flavored uh, popcorn. Did they really? It's delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to have to try some. I'm not hangry anymore. I'm great. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Back to task here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Slight little tangent here, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, fat guy food. It's great. Um, so, yeah. So, so for me, uh, what makes me decide which kids to keep? Um, like I said, I'm very phenotypical here, phenotype. Um, so I had twins out of gem, and I knew I was going to keep at least one kid out of gem. And I was thinking about two, but then we had quite a few dope kids born. Um We'll get into that later. Uh, <laughs> but um, so I looked at those two kids and one was is super wide and long. And that's kind of what I've been working towards, even though it's really just one generation out of gem because it's a foundation, right? Um, and the other one was long, not as wide, um, maybe a tad bit sharper and I, I like you said, I kind of went with my gut and I'm like, well, I want long, I want wide. This one's got a great set of feet and legs on her. She's super square. Um, I'm going to go with this one. Um, and yeah, before her sister left to her new farm, uh, I might have thought about switching who I was going to keep because uh, the one I'm keeping just happens to be one of those head butters every time she's on the bucket or the bottle um and she's just like 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 a buck kid you would think right um but yeah and then you know for this year looking at everything else it was just kind of like well let me keep this doe kid because we're really kind of focusing on length 
um, probably to a little bit of a detriment because you're going to lose a little bit of body capacity when they're younger animals. Um, but we want length, we want width, we want levelness, and we're getting that um, either through uh, either either buck really, but Orion especially just throws trains. Um, so yeah, so that we've kind of stuck to our goals of what I want in my herd and what I'm working towards um, without losing elegance. And uh, it's just, I I don't know, I guess how I pick is I just go with my gut and what I'm, my goals are, like you said, um, that's really how it, what it comes down to for us. Does, and kind of deviating off of, you know, our show notes, but does it ever get influenced on who you retain ever get influenced on the bucks you have available for breeding purposes as well? Yes. It used to be no, like I'd, I'd say, Oh no, just, uh, I'm just going by the looks of what I want. Um, but I had Mary Mac kid this year to a um, daughter out of us and uh, or she kidded with a daughter out of us. Right. And, right. and she, she's a stunning kid. Um, but even if she was like not what I wanted, I probably would have retained her anyway because of the new buck that I have. And it's like, oh, like this is going to really tie in really well. Um, and then there's other bucks in the area that, you know, down the future, I could be like, oh, hey, can I get a straw of this or, you know, over here? Um, so, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, sometimes, but it depends on what it is, right? Right. And that's what I think this year for me, my biggest issue is going to be that I started keeping kids early, let's say, Um most of the kids that I've, the doe kids I've retained are actually going to be from one buck. The issue with that for me is I've already started to see what this one buck has done for my herd. Mm -hmm. And I have one doe left to kid and she's the only one now. Well, she's the last doe, but She's my last chance to keep a doe kid from my other herd sire, who I've been using sparingly. He's younger. He's also related to a lot of the animals in my herd. But all of a sudden, I kind of went in my mind, all right, this is who I'm keeping. And then I realized if this doe has a doe kid... I might want to keep that because I want to start to see what this buck, this buck I have in my herd can actually do. I mean, thankfully there's animal, he has daughters locally so I can watch them grow, but selfishly, I want to see what this guy does too. So it's in the terms of bucks and everything, maybe it's not necessarily, you know, who it can get bred to, but also who they're out of and whether or not it'll help improve your program too so you know another thought in my head i don't know if it's going to really change anything this year because i do have plans to use this guy heavily next year but um you know just kind of another thought on that topic yeah i mean listen we both have smaller herds um and last year i used 
Voss on the majority of my does. Orion only got one doe. Um, and of course, she had triplets, so go Orion. But yeah, uh, <laughs> he was like, um, bet. Yeah, I'm going to make this one count, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, next year it'll be like, okay, I'm going to have some daughters if i if i want to breed them as dry as yearlings then i you know i'm gonna have to use the other buck heavily too um right so i think you just have to be careful with that as far as like interweaving you know it's it's like as kurt schnipke puts it it's it's all interweaving and and you know it's kind of like playing chess on how you're gonna play it but um yeah i think i think it's okay to use a buck heavily especially since you have what five now something like oh that oh my god Six. i need to wear like a vest or something Jeez, <laughs> another vest. shot fired oh my goodness well, no i have three thank you mm-hmm. very much and i think my buck to doe ratio is oh, no. lower than yours let me tell you <laughs> because I think, well, actually, I don't know if I have more does than you anymore, but, um, I Oh, you most certainly do. Get out of here. You definitely do. (laughs) I don't don't know. I don't know about that, but I think, hold on, let me see what, what I'm going to just- Mental math. Rough number. I think I'm like at a roughly, we'll call, I'll round up. I think I'm like six does to every buck here. So. Oh yeah. You're way. Stop it. You're way. I think my buck to doe ratio is probably a little better than yours. A little bit, a little bit. Um, We're not going to talk about it, but since we're talking, (laughs) but since we're talking about bucks, see, that's what we call a deflection. Yeah, exactly. It, what is it? I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me and goes back to you. People are going to be like, what are these guys smoking this episode? <laughs> yeah, this is exactly. crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so since we're talking about bucks, what about buck kids? Uh, how does that differ from doe kids for you and, and your breeding program? So I only keep a buck kid if he's pre-planned. Mm-hmm. I, well, that's a lie. Um, sorry, I take that back. I kept one two years ago, but that was only because I had another bucket on the ground that was pre-planned and I was mad that this doe decided to give me bucks for the, it was either the second <laughs> or the third year of, of a row on that one. But, um, but now going forward, because I realized for my situation, um, I can't keep, and like my farm, it's, not really feasible for me to keep more than one buck in a pen, particularly as they get older. And so I can only keep, so it's, I was kind of like, Oh, well I'm keeping one. He can have a buddy. This is great. And it, from a management point, point of view for me, it just really didn't work well for my, how my, pens are set up and I was just kind of tired of having to fight, you know, to grab the less dominant buck out and all of these things. And so I know for me, I really can only keep a buck in a pen. And so the 
if I'm keeping a buck, it's definitely pre-planned. I've probably made this breeding with the intention of keeping a herd sire. And the one buck I have now was an AI and it ultimately, I had two does take. It was a daughter and a dam and a daughter who both took to this buck. And ultimately it was, I want to keep a buck kid from one of these to be my herd sire. And he was the only buck born. And so he was the one that got retained, but these two breedings were done with the intention that I would keep some doe kids, but then also this would create a herd sire for my program. Right. So you, you're not like looking at a buck kid and going, Oh my God, he's so pretty. You're definitely going off pedigree and also hoping they're pretty. If you want to retain a buck kid Um, for us, our program's nowhere near where I think I can, retain a buck kid and get the results that I'm looking for. Um, I mean, this year we didn't register any buck kids for anybody. Right. And last year I think we registered maybe one, um, one or two, but we, we don't register bucks often. Um, and when we do like, they gotta have something going for them. Right. Um, we're just, our, the problem with my program right now is that so much is goes back to gem and it's like three quarters of my herd goes back to gems gem if not more that it's just i would have to keep something i literally would have to keep something out of two does and both of them are one's a yearling first freshener and one's a two-year-old first freshener so it's like that's not happening anytime soon um and honestly like we're still building so i i just I'm going to keep going forward. I got to kind of think outside the box for now. Right. No, that's what we do. No. And that's totally, I mean, for the most part, that's what I do as well. And I think Mm -hmm. ultimately the bucks I've retained in my herd, they've all been, um, they've all, their sires have pretty much been outcross or now not so much, it just kind of worked out that we're using now they're bringing in lines that I want to kind of keep and integrate in again and again, but they're very much that sire is very much not what's currently in the herd. Um, And like the, the one was an AI buck kid. So um, I hadn't really been using his lines very heavily now that's changing and we actually have a really cool lion breeding program that we're going to kind of do in the next couple of years with him, oh, the other right. mature buck, the, my new buck on the ground, you know, different things like that to kind of make it work. But, um, and again, I do have does that are kind of created two different lines. We, everybody's related to everybody. And I mean, I could put a, create a conspiracy theory web of, you know, with little red lines and how everybody's related, but it does work out really nicely for me that type wise, there are based on the one maternal sister and the other maternal sister, there are um, differences. And then each of those have kind of created branches that are a little bit diverse. So I can kind of play with it a little bit and um, merge it back together. But I mean, I will and say you're not losing you have a little bit 
larger herd than you do too. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that works a little bit. This popcorn's so good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, so So when you're a little step further, sorry, as you're eating popcorn, I'll let you, I'll let you get your, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry. (laughs) So taking that idea of which bucks to keep, how do we even decide which bucks we will sell as intact bucks and which bucks will be sold as weathers? Yeah, I think it comes down to obviously the phenotype of the kid, mm-hmm. but also it comes down to the phenotype of the dam. They're udder because let's face it, like if you want changes in udders, the dam better have a decent udder. Um, you know, nice confirmation. But also people kind of focus on the dam's udder and they don't really put into play what the sire does, right? What his dam's udder does. And, and I mean, people do focus on it, but I feel like it doesn't get enough attention. Um, and I I also kind of look at the, the sire as a whole, what his confirmation looks like, because he's going to throw that onto his kids too, as, somewhere in that body. Right. Um, so like I've had maybe one buck kid that I registered where I was like, hmm that probably wasn't a good idea. And that was when we were first starting. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, you know, beginner, you know, oh, it's a, I could register him as Oberhasley. Let me do it. Oh, hey, backyard breeder, you need a buck. And I'm sure he's doing great things for them. But, um, you know, I've also had bucks where I've registered them based on phenotype. And I was like, oh, you know, his damn zutter is not the best best but it's definitely can improve somebody's herd in these aspects right right and you know i've hemmed in hard about that and then all of a sudden his twin sister freshens this year and i'm like oh okay he's gonna be fine he's gonna do okay yeah (laughs) um but when registering kids and picking that out i definitely take into consideration what everybody asks themselves would i keep this one myself and I haven't taken it as seriously in the past. I mean, I think besides Nigerians, which we just were like, oh, you were 4-H home? You want a registered buck kid? Here you go. Um, but with like our Oberhasley program, uh, the last two years have been very serious about what I'm going to register and let go. Um, shoot, I let an experimental go last year, and he's thrown some pretty nice kids. Um, and then – This year, it's like, well, I've got a buck kid that I could register. It's out of uh, one of my best does, but he's experimental. Do I want to fight selling an experimental buck? Because people see experimental and run Mm -hmm. um, or record a grade, whatever. And then I got this other one. His dam's okay. Mm. Well, I'm going to sell his dam. Why am I going to register something if I'm in a seller? And she's definitely... You know, a good doe for somebody, but not me. So yeah, I'm not going to register them. So that's kind of how my brain works. Everybody just got a peek inside my brain. <laughs> yeah. So what about you? What, what's your your deal? So I am choosy of which box I allow to 
be bucks, but I am also very cognizant of what my goals are for my breeding program are not necessarily everybody's goals. So Mm -hmm. there is definitely a market for registered, healthy, solid bucks that come from strong lines. Now, would their dam necessarily be one of my top does? No, but are they going to add something to somebody else's herd? A hundred percent. And so I am fine selling bucks to those people because is it my best buck? No, but is it going to help this herd? Oh, it it definitely could. And um, I don't have a problem doing that. However, the buck kids have to pass a visual inspection by me to, you know, be able to be sold registered because maybe they don't necessarily have the strongest pedigree from my herd. You know, maybe it's not necessarily my top does, but one of my younger does who I'm like, Oh, okay. She's nice. She's probably not going to be my, you know, a top doe, but her sister may, you know, they have, a decent solid foundation in their pedigree, but I want them to look good as well. And so that is probably the biggest thing for me. I am very quick to sell as a weather if I don't like how they look or how they're growing. Um, For instance, last year I had triplet buck kids and on paper, the breeding actually was, really a solid um breeding with a ton of milk i was actually hoping for a doe kid for my program from it but um you know triplet bucks instead yeah Um, yeah, that's what happens when you (laughs) you know that's what happens when you have a few does you take to um get bred to outside bucks and you know every single one decides to just have buck kids but it's fine i'm fine I've moved past it. That was last year. Uh, um, But (laughs) so there was three buck kids and two of them I did sell for going and, you know, being herd sires, but there was one and he probably, there wasn't anything wrong with him confirmationally, but he was just the tinier kid. He, wasn't as large. He wasn't growing. He wasn't as growthy. Again, nothing wrong with him. He was just a tiny kid. And I just said, nope, this buck kid is not going to be the one I offer as a herd sire. And so he got weathered. He's living the life at somebody's farm with, I think, alpacas and sheep and whatever. And this is a completely spoiled rotten weather. But there's just some kids that don't necessarily make the cut and there might not even be anything really wrong just but just they're not the right kids for um for somebody else's program too so i try and make sure that they're as close to confirmationally correct as Mm -hmm. possible but um if they're and if they're not i'm very quick to say okay this is gonna go as a weather because ultimately it does have my name on it and i want to make sure what i'm putting out there is something nice and so it might not necessarily be a buck that i would use for my breeding program but that's also what 
it can add to like another. Yeah. And the other thing is, again, kind of as we talked about before, it's complicated because my, you know, I might say, oh, I don't want this in my breeding program, but maybe it's more because I have three sisters or, you know, like it's like, oh, this really wouldn't work in my program, but that's not to say it wouldn't work in somebody else's. Right. And it hasn't worked in somebody else's. There's, you know, several bucks out there that are doing good things for people. Yeah, agreed. Now, looking at your program, where do you think some of the strongest kids are born are from? Like, are they from your older does or are they from your younger does? So it's kind of interesting because I feel like I tend to gravitate towards keeping kids from my oldest does. Why? I don't know. And I don't know if it's sentimental that mm-hmm. I'm scared that some doe is going to, you know, go on a five year buck kid streak and then not give me any does. And because I sell so many each year, this might be the last doe kid. Um, I don't know if it's because I have the performance data behind them. I know that this, this kid's, or yeah, this kid's dam just milked right under 3000 pounds as a five or six year old. And I see her, I have the kid's half sister in my herd and she just freshened as a two year old and is looking fabulous. Or if it's, these are the does I've finished. I don't know why I tend to gravitate towards keeping kids from my older does. But I tend to do that. But I'm also trying to focus on keeping animals from my younger does as well, because ultimately that's at least one or typically it's one or two more generations of my breeding program that I've kind of um, kept different things and brought different animals in and pedigree wise. So currently, if I look at my herd, I would say my strongest does are my youngest does. However, they're not, they need to mature. But I am thinking that they, when they are their dam's age, they will be a vast improvement on their dams. Or, you know, when they add another year or two, they will definitely be where I want my herd to be, or at least moving in the right direction. So I did make an effort this year and I am keeping a doe kid from what my, I guess she's a three-year-old from one of my three-year-olds this year. And basically I, when I was kind of looking at my breeding program and who I was keeping and who was going, I decided that I was going to keep, I have two half sisters, paternal half sisters. And I mean, again, the crazy line breeding, somebody I'm not even going to go into that because that's horrible, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and it could offend up people. Um, but basically they're paternal half sisters and one's the maternal niece. And so very similar in pedigree. And I basically said, I want to keep at least a doe kid from one of those. And then if I don't get a doe kid from my two older does, then maybe I'll keep another doe kid. But, um, I did make a cognitive effort because I, in the past, I tend to keep my older dose kids and I knew I needed to keep one of them. And I actually really, really like the kid I'm keeping. I think she might be 
even the nicest or, you know, second nicest kid that um, I'm retaining this year. And just, but it, again, it was definitely a, you know, where your herd is going, your younger does are, will be your focus in the next couple of years. So let's retain something from your younger does. And it was definitely an effort this year more than. um, Yeah. Yeah. So, but what about you? So we do, I generally keep from my younger stock. Um, That said, I am keeping one from my doe gem and it's probably sentimental. She's not the weakest kid in the pen, but she's not the craziest either. Right. She's not the best. Um, Mm -hmm. but I retained that because Jem's retiring, right? Supposedly. Uh, so. And this is where it becomes an issue because we know Tierney's going to listen and she's just going to hear that. And Oh, I've said it. I've said it to her a billion times that, you know, she's retired unless, you know, it's a day in October and she's just screaming her head off and I can't take it anymore after two cycles of listening to it, you know, who knows. But oh but for God. now, she's retired, and so we're like, well, we're going to keep one more daughter. You know, we've kept pretty much all but one of her daughters to, to freshening uh, throughout the years, um, and some of them didn't freshen the way we wanted, so they moved on, and some of them we stupidly sold, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But so, so we're like, okay, we're going to keep one. Um, but I generally try to keep from my youngest because I firmly believe that my younger does, and this is with a lot of programs, are should be improvements on their dams in some capacity or another. Um, right. So we, we tend to keep them, you know, um, last year, like our dry yearlings we have in the barn now, uh, one is from a doe that's no longer here, but... Um, you know, she's an improvement on her. Um, I think our one doe uh, is probably the best animal, one of the best animals in our barn. She's a dry yearling, um, and she's out of one of our younger does. And then we also have uh, another one that's out of a younger doe, right? So we kind of tend to really put all of our cards into that pot, um, minus the gem keep, keeper kid, because of retirement but yeah that's what we do right no and it's exactly that's why as we were kind of creating this episode i thought that this would be such a interesting kind of segment because what you do and what i do are probably very different and kind of where you focus and where i focus are completely different you know like i said i tend to try and i gravitate towards my older does and you go with the younger and I think well, there's full success with yeah. that. And it just, you know, it differs for program to program. I agree. I was going to say, so here's also the difference is I'm seeing big changes with each breeding because we're just starting out, right? Mm-hmm. We're still building up where you've been doing this a while. So you've got that consistency that you're working with. So you're really trying to refine those small points and you know that, hey, this older does probably going to refine this way because I've kept a daughter from her at this time and blah, blah, blah. So I think, I think that's where the difference really lies. I'm seeing huge, huge swings of the bat. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting home runs quite a bit as far as changes go, uh, mm-hmm. where you're more refine, refining and laying down that strategic bunt. Right. And the other thing I think, and this is something that 
I think has been invaluable for my herd and just kind of worked out. And what I'm sure you're finding too, is you're kind of putting your herd together and, you know, the generations keep coming is I tend to do a lot of repeating, but like repeating with an asterisk. So because my herd is so closely related that my foundation animals pretty much were all the same genetic pool and I would breed heavily to a buck and keep a few daughters. So, and then the generations all kind of are related and the consistency kind of started emerging because I wasn't working with three completely different lines. So when I say, okay, I'm breeding to this buck, I've probably done that in some capacity before. Maybe not the full sister, but maybe the genetic three-fourths sister or maybe the paternal half-sister. You know, it just Mm -hmm. so I can kind of very easily get an idea of what I should expect from this breeding. Not to say it always happens because this is livestock and there's, you know, crazy genes that'll pop up and you'll have a doe that you can't figure out where she got that utter attachment from because, you know... three generations before her they were all these gorgeous udders and all of a sudden you know it's like the the lateral attachment gene has completely disappeared from her body but (laughs) you know yeah these things happen now since we're talking about you know all these plans that we have as far as kids that we we retain but sometimes fate changes those plans or makes it a bit more complicated for us sometimes does do not have the doe kids we were hoping for and other times doe has twin does or even triplet does how do you decide which doe kid from a litter stays and when you have the multiples to choose from right so i think we kind of talked about this a little bit beforehand but let's go into a little deeper um topic because i think so often we go okay i'm keeping a doe i want to you know the goal is that doe kid and then sometimes you get lucky and the doe is your, you know, the doe kidding is really nice and just pops out triplet does. And all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, I have options. And, um, I love when I have options because then it gives me a choice to really kind of evaluate what's there and figure out which one I want to keep. And so typically when I have, the two, like, let's say I have twin does just to kind of make it really easy. Right. I, and I'm kind of deciding, I will put them on a bottle and have both of them on a bottle and have them directly under me drinking. And so then I will go piece by piece in that top line and compare and go, okay, this doe is longer from hips to pins. Or this doe is wider from thoroughs. Just you know, I typically start from the rump and go go back, go forward the head. And so I kind yeah. of evaluate the rumps, and then I say, okay, so this rump is better structurally it, it, as a whole. And all right, this doe is wider in that loin, or but this doe's a little longer in the loin. And then you know, this doe sharper in the withers. Kind of start comparing them, and then I'll have them walk forward towards me and walk backwards and I try and figure out who's stronger in that um you know stronger in that front end assembly who's moving better and I start comparing the points and when I'm really trying to decide and then I just go okay I think this doe kid is the better of 
the two right now. And so we're going to go with that and she's going to stay. Um, but again, if I know I have a doe who is maybe stronger in the rump, but weaker in the front end assembly, but I have a buck that most likely will, that she'll be bred to compared to her sister who's stronger in the front end, but not necessarily in the rump, but the buck I have maybe is throwing a little bit weaker thurls or something like that. Maybe I'm keeping the doe kid who I know I have more pieces of that completed puzzle in my barn as far as herd sires or in my tank as far as AI, because I know that this is going to be something I can work with a little bit easier in my program. Right. I agree with that. I do a very similar thing. Um, But also if I'm having like a really difficult time, um, I have no shame in my game, right? I'll talk to you or other friends um and be like hey i'm i'm trying to decide between these two kids um i like this one for this i also like this one for that these are you know give structural reasons on why i like them and i usually say i'm not asking you to choose for me or make my decision for me but i would like some input on what you're thinking as an outside eye because i I always have that fear that i'm going to be barn blind with something right right Um, so so an outside opinion is always welcome Um, And that's generally how I do it. Same as you. Right. And that's what I don't ever think it's bad to ask. I I really like this point because I want to just say, don't think it's ever bad to ask for outside help. Um, And I would always say, if you have someone who is close by that you respect what their goats look like and it's, you know, where you kind of want to go in your breeding program, or at least you that what they bring out and represent for themselves is close to what you would strive for. Don't hesitate to ask them like, Hey, can you come out or look at picture? You know, pictures are easy too, but can you look out, come out and just help me like make sure I'm not missing anything because sometimes we just don't see it or these kids are underfoot because they know that we're the ones that give them food. And so we're only seeing kind of that, top few we're not seeing the back end because of how you know all of these things and yeah. uh, definitely sometimes this second opinion is a good thing yeah and also you know people are probably listening and like oh shouldn't they also try to like sell their best to other people and say like, well i'm gonna keep what works well in my herd that i particularly think is best but maybe what the twin or whatever that I'm not keeping, or maybe even just a single doe that I'm not keeping, um, isn't necessarily a cull. Um, you know, people are like, oh, well, it's just a cull a kid. It's not a keeper kid. Well, you can't keep them all. Right? right. So this whole keeper kid, you know, oh, serious breeders uh, do it this way. It's like, no, listen, I can't keep them all. It's not feasible for me to have this year, you know, 10 or 12 doe kids, whatever I had, uh, running around in my barn. I just don't, it's not feasible. So I'm going to sell some kids and maybe some of them aren't as thrifty or whatever as I'd like, but maybe they, they add something to another person's program. Right. So I think, I think that's really important too. Right. No, exactly. I mean, kind of going back to what we started with this episode with what percentage of kids do you retain? Mm-hmm. I'm talking 20, I think last year it was 15%. This year it might be 33%. There are does in my herd that 
I would have wanted to keep if I could keep more, but I realistically can't. So sometimes they get sold and I have no problem. If it's going to the right herd, I have no problem going, this kid, it's killing me, but she can go because I know she's going to live up to her potential and we're going to see good things from her. So that definitely makes my decisions, particularly if there's twin does, a little easier because it's a win-win. I have a doe that is going to go into somebody else's herd and be shown and appraised and, you know, just a doe that I can't keep, but she'll be given her best life and allowed to perform at her best. And so sometimes you go, okay, I'm just keeping this one. This one's going and it'll be okay. And it, you know, hopefully it will. Yeah. Yeah. So now let's say we cough, John cough, have a doe year and a really heavy doe year at that. And so our keeper kids list is a little heavier than you've planned or, you know, your keeper kid wish list, all the boxes are checked. And so you have more does in your barn than you want to retain. So these are all your keeper kids. But then how do you thin out those keeper kids to that ideal number? Um, you know, I just, I kind of look at my goals, right? So this year we had, yes, cough, cough, a heavy doe, doe kid year. And thank you, doe fairy. I encourage everybody to say the doe fairy prayer or the buck god prayer, whatever I made up before breeding season next year. Um, it works. <laughs> it's, is it better than the apple cider vinegar in their water? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it works. But, but uh, and, you know, I'm just setting it up for a buck year for next year. Um, so we have right now down, we have, I think, six doe kids in our pen. Yeah, six doe kids that are quote unquote retained this year. Um, I could easily thin down two or three of them without much, much thought. Okay. But this year is different because of, we want to have juniors for nationals, right? So after nationals, you know, I'm sure it'll be a a fire sale, but (laughs) um, generally it's just with heavy doe kids is I stick to my guns. I don't care how many doe kids I have out of all these breedings. It's, it's all about what I want my, for my program. So that, that's what I do. No, that makes sense. Now let's see. We've also had people have years uh, where, you know, the doe kids just that you wanted weren't born. Um, So what do you do then? Do you, do you keep a doe kid that you wouldn't have necessarily kept before and but you only have like three doe kids to choose from for the year and she had just happened to be the quote-unquote best um what do you do when you have those dangly bits running around everywhere so i kind of use it as a year to breathe honestly right Um, yes what i said yes right perfect and i just go okay this will be a year that I can figure out maybe I am able to keep three does from one um, 
year that they all freshened and maybe I don't have to sell a milker to keep a kid. And typically that's where I start. And I like last year we had, I think I was up to like five or six does kitted before there was a doe that I had planned to keep. Um, So it was really interesting because I had all these babies on the ground and they were spoken for. They were, this one was going here. This one was going there. This one I was trying to sell, but I did not have a kid that I knew I was keeping in my barn. And it really, you know, to not have one kid, it was the first year in a while where I'm like, wow, there's not even like, oh, this is, you know, she'll just be the spoiled baby because I'm waiting for somebody else to have a doe kid and it hasn't happened yet. But um, yeah, we just didn't have it. And thankfully we had, you know, our AIs hit later and each of those AIs had a single doe kid that, you know, ended up getting kept. And we did end up keeping a kid. I wasn't originally planning on keeping because again it was otherwise I would have been keeping two and I ended up keeping three but the idea with her was let me see what she would look like for um nationals because she would be a junior yearling and when I was breeding her dam there was a bit of a situation and In the end, I was kind of like, well, this, because it was a June kid, um, and it was, this could be cool for nationals. So even when I was breeding her, the idea was, well, maybe this will get me a nice junior yearling um, to have for nationals. And so then when she was born, originally I wasn't going to keep her, but then kind of fate. And I said, well, you know, she was bred for this purpose or, you know, created for this purpose. So let's see what happens. And so she's oh, growing oh, yeah, out. Yeah. I don't and know. She's if just she's a cute good. kid and, and a brat, but yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 No, I, listen, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's a brat. Um, a hundred percent. I don't even know if, I mean, we took, this is the crazy part. Like we took her out to shows. She was kind of a, huh, you're just coming with us. Like, yeah had a deal like you're good I mean we threw her in the pen with the older ones young and just because nobody else had you know she had no friends and it was fine but and she's very good at just kind of dealing and you know goes well at that but um well my god train of thought what was there was a tangent there Um, um something about nationals and then you know taking her with the older ones oh that's what it, this thing can't walk this thing can't walk to save her life like she refuses <laughs> and so i'm like oh my god we're gonna take try to take you to nationals your purpose was to have an animal in the junior yearling class and she she's been on a collar since she was a baby because i put all my babies on collars really really young and it helps but you would think like it just doesn't click in her head and she drags her head and it's yeah. so we're gonna have yeah. to work on that <laughs> yeah 
Lord and Savior over Hasley. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. no, I, I don't think I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that she's a newbie, and I think it's just, oh no. I no. think it's everything to do with the fact that she's a spoiled brat and just wants to do what she wants to do, <laughs> and well, rules the barn. <laughs> well, I'll echo those same sentiments that you know if we have a, a buck heavier, which um, I'm going to knock on wood, I guess uh, we. I don't think we've ever really had more bucks and doe kits, which is lucky for us. Um, no, but we're very lucky. Yeah, I mean, if we <laughs> have one next year, I don't care. Next year, when you're like, "Darn it, we recorded this episode, and I said this." <laughs> I wouldn't even. I mean, we. It's like, yeah, I'd want that breather. I really would. I'd be like, "Oh, okay, this is great." Um, you know, I might be like, "Oh, I wanted this out of this one," but no, it'll be fine. Um, right. Was there anything that else that you want to add as far as uh, Keeper Kids goes? I think when all else fails, I mean, we had this whole episode. We went into detail about what we do. Yeah. But ultimately, I think when all else fails, go with your gut. If mm-hmm. you kind of know where your breeding program is going and maybe not even where your breeding program is going, but you like what you like. And ultimately, you are in the barn twice a day, if not more. And like right now, we're all in the barn more. But you are in the barn working with these animals more than anybody else. So if mm-hmm. you want to keep this kid, at, you know, particularly if they're sisters, and you decide that this is the one you want to keep for whatever reason, go with it. Because ultimately regardless of what a judge says, regardless of what a appraiser says, or regardless of what your neighbor says, they're your goats and they have to make you happy. Exactly. Yep. You want to keep that blue eyed moon spotted pulled kid. You do it. You want (laughs) to sell it for $4,000. You do it. You want (laughs) you want to keep a goat kid that maybe uh, is way smaller than the rest because it was a quad. Do it. Do what makes you happy. You're the one paying to feed those things. Um, So, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. I'm choking on smart food, uh, (laughs) lemonade flavored Doritos popcorn, uh, not sponsored. I was going to say, (laughs) we now working in the uh, snack food sponsorship. uh, Yeah, listen, go people like snacks. That might be that might be uh, an avenue to take. (laughs) <laughs> so danielle uh where can people find uh our merch socials all that good stuff so we have our website dairygoatpodcast.com where you can find our merch our past episodes and just general information about us or if you want to shoot us a message there is a way to do that and we will respond. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at um, if you search Ringside and American Dairy Goat Podcast. And then our Instagram is at ringside underscore goat underscore podcast. Um, so be sure to like or follow us there. And as we well, are, oh. we are also on the Twitter. Uh, which is at Ringside Goat Pod. Oh, nice. Okay. And we yeah. do have a TikTok. I don't 
No, I'm working on some stuff on okay. that. Okay, okay, no, 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 no. I just it's kidding season. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also um, really appreciate it if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, that review goes a long way. So yeah, um, it helps the algorithm. Helps us learn. Uh, what everybody's liking or disliking um it really i i know like everybody on every podcast ever is like like and review and like it it does make a difference for us so um we'd appreciate it if you would leave one um and also check out our merch store at uh dairygoatpodcast.com slash merch um we've had quite a few people buying uh, some of those coffee mugs and I got a coffee mug in and I like it a lot. Um, and I got a hoodie and that thing is super awesome. So I'm excited. Um, but yeah, I, I think that'll wrap her up unless you have anything else to add. Nope. That's it. Oh, and Danielle will be at the buck show in Altamont this weekend. If everybody, anybody wants to say hi while you're also at the show. And unfortunately I won't be there, but I'll see you in a couple weeks at Altamont as well. Yes, exactly. Stop by, say hi. Would love to talk with everyone and to see those beautiful bucks that you're bringing out. Oh, you betcha. All right. Well, everyone, this has been ringside an American dairy goat podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.